If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you think of Prison Break, who do you think of? That hot guy from Prison Break that everyone talks about. I never watched Prison Break. When I think of Prison Break, I think of Masalamat. Oh, that doesn't sound too hot. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm Margaret. And welcome to A Briefcase. And today, we're looking at terrorist leader Mas Salamat's prison break. Mas Salamat was born on 23rd Jan 1961. So he was born in Kandal, Central Java, Indonesia. And we don't know much about his early life, but he ends up moving to Singapore while he's like relatively young. And we know this because he attended Kaki Bukit Primary School and he grew up in Kaki Bukit. So there doesn't seem to be anything too notable about his childhood. Now, in the early 1980s, so this would have been when he was in his early 20s, he married, he got married and he moved to a flat near Badok Reservoir because he was an Eastie or so. And still nothing too weird, nothing that the government would be like flagging out. And it also seems that around this time, he like trained and worked as a bus mechanic. So like repairing buses and stuff. So he also has a total of five kids. So that's a lot of kids, but again, nothing too weird. How and many wives? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> one, one, one. Even though it's legal, okay? Technically. Right? See, I don't know. I thought he was like those terrorists one. They would, they would encourage more wives. So just a question about that. <laughs> but no, Maslama only has one wife and five kids. Yeah. So he's um no. But you know what the interesting thing is is because in the nineteen eighties, right? They were doing the whole three or more if you can afford it. So they would give you like. I see. So he just wants to get more rebates. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my mother also had three kids. Okay. Mm, you want to yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think rebate, rebate. <laughs> so he sounds like a responsible family man. He had a job. And I mean, when I was reading this, I was a bit like, oh, how does somebody that sounds like so normal suddenly become this, a terrorist, right? So the biggest theory is that he started to get involved with like the whole Islamic radicalism thing in 1990 when he was around his 30s. And it's because he went to listen to this Indonesian cleric called Abu Jibril and he went to listen to him preach. And at this point, right, um, I want to digress a bit. How does somebody like immediately go to listen to somebody else preach and then get brainwashed so quickly, right? So Abu Jibril, he's a hardline cleric. Alright, like when you think of terrorism of any kind, it isn't like some in a hut clenched over with a bunch of like guys, right? Like 
radicalization of any kind is very sophisticated. And this guy, he taught at Moss. He like um, wrote like a lot of books. I think like almost twenty books. And he appeared on TV and like radio talk shows, like like really mainstream stuff. Okay, and by 1990s, Maslamat he had joined Darul Islam, which is like the precursor to Jamaa Islamia (JI). Yeah, yeah, they're big in Indonesia. Yeah, um, but he's but he's Singaporean lah. He's still in Singapore. Now, by 1992, he's all in. He's like a card-carrying member of the Singapore cell of Jamaa Islamia. Let's call it JI for short. Now, JI, JI is a damn bad group with like damn. Bad people. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They are essentially Southeast Asian Al Qaeda. All right, and they are linked. They are linked directly to Al Qaeda. All right. So they even planned the 12 October Bali bombing in 2002, which killed 202 people and injured another 209 people. Yeah. So Mas he gets involved with JI in 1992, and over the next five years, he's just super active with the group. He even visits Afghanistan twice. Wow, to learn from the great leaders there. Yeah, to learn from he meets the JI leader, this wow. guy called Ham Hambali. He actually meets like the leader of JI. They have like a DIY build your own bomb kind of camp over there. I don't know. I would have missed. Hi guys, welcome to class today. One o one pipe bomb making. Oh, great! So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Now Singapore security monitoring, like they wouldn't just like let that go. You know, he's active for five years. They're quite on the ball, so I wouldn't be surprised that I wouldn't be surprised if they started tracking me after everything I googled for yeah, this podcast. Yeah. yeah, that's how they catch. They caught those two uh teens recently, right? Yeah, yeah. It's through monitoring their internet activity. Yeah. So by. December two thousand and one. So Mas is around like forty now. So he's been doing this whole terrorist thing for like, like ten years ish. Yeah. So Singapore cracks down on JI. Singapore goes like on a little JI hunt to break up the Singapore cell, the Singapore network. All right, and they in total arrest thirteen people. So Mas Lamat freaks out, and his whole family like just flees. They they run to like Malaysia. They run to Thailand. They run to Indonesia. So sus. <laughs> yeah, but they also leave one of their sons in uh Indonesian religious boarding school lah. I think. Yeah. Oh, so in case like everyone's gone, at least you got one surviving son. <laughs> I don't know why. Why one person? Why not the rest of the kids? So weird. Is the older son? I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now because he's a terrorist on the run, right? I don't think he's working as a bus mechanic anymore lah. Yeah. Yeah. So he does a bunch of. Plotting, so he plots to hijack a plane and crash it into Changi Airport. Yeah, so at the time, like Changi Airport was already like one of like the top few airports in the world, lah. And he has this plan, right? So this one is a bit more original. He wants to like send a bunch of trucks with bombs across Singapore and then like detonate mm. them all at once. Okay, that's yeah. that's new. At least, yeah, that's not. But it would have been very scary. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Lucky we caught him before that happened. And the third one was a bit like. Was is this the issue, Noan? No, he wanted to overthrow the Singapore government. How? <laughs> like, I don't know. He want, and I think at the time, two thousand one, was it? Uh, who who was the PM? I think Go Chok Tong. Like he wanted to overthrow. Lao Go Ah. Ayo. Don't know how he tends to do that. I want to hear his plan. He's very ambitious, ah. <laughs> huh? yeah. yeah. Now, for a terrorist leader, he's not like super careful, so he's hiding out in Tanjung Pinang Bintan. Oh, holiday spot. Yeah, that's the the port to the uh Batam town. 
Yeah. And then he gets caught for... Guess what he gets caught for? Smuggling illegal cigarette. I don't know. <laughs> no, he gets caught for carrying fake ID. Oh, okay. That's quite big though. And so he gets caught, right? And when he gets caught, he confesses to the whole terrorist thing. It's like, yeah, it's totally gonna try to, you know, run a plane through Changi Airport and everything. But then because Singapore and Indonesia, there's no extradition, even though he, like, literally confessed to, like, wanting to carry out a terrorist plot on another country, they're like, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just, we're just gonna keep you here in Indonesia. We're not gonna send you, you know what I mean? Um, so he's jailed for 18 months for his fake ID. And it's a year and a half in Indonesia. And honestly, it's, it's not super long, right? To be in prison for a year and a half. But I don't know how bad a Bintan prison is lah. But like... Yeah, sounds like a slap on the wrist. Yeah. But right, I would think that I would just slam it out lah. I'll just be like, I fucked up. I guess I'll just hang out here for a year and a half, right? Better than being sent to Singapore. No, but he tries to break out twice. Oh, he already practicing ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I mean the- like... I- of course, Indonesia's security is like not as tight as Singapore's. But he doesn't actually break out of Indonesia, so technically so Indonesia's he... security was better. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe he, he just like novice lah. He trying to build oh, the, yeah. the skill level first. Before that, he was like still a baby... A baby... Prison joke. breaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, right. He... During one of his breakouts, he has, like, this dumb idea. He's gonna jump from a high floor and he ends up shattering his, like, left leg. He ends up breaking his left leg, which is why he got the limp. What a surprise. No, don't jump out of a high floor. So he gets out after 18 months and he continues being a terrorist and just, like, running around Southeast Asia, right? Until he gets re-arrested in East Java in Indonesia. And guess what it's for? Mm, hijacking a truck? I don't know. No, same thing. He still carry his fake ID. Yo, detect before lah. Use new one lah. <laughs> Use a better fake ID, right? Exactly. Yeah, so but this time, right, I think the Indo police are like, oh yeah, actually this guy tried to be a terrorist before and this guy fake ID twice. So they have a bunch of negotiations. Like when you don't have extradition, you actually have to like sit down and have like... negotiate each case. Yeah. And then whatever happened behind the scenes... And then he's deported. He's finally deported to Singapore. Great. And he gets detained under ISA, the Internal Security Act. Now, ISA is a very controversial piece of act. <laughs> Legislation, law, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's under ISD, which is under MHA, the Ministry of Home Affairs. And it's basically to arrest anyone that threatens the internal security of Singapore. Lah. So like communists, spies terrorists and now, now here's where it gets controversial there's no limit to how long you can be held under isa oh yeah sounds like the project cold storage i think yeah yeah and there's supposed to be like safeguards la, like human rights you, you you're supposed to be able to keep to your religious obligations you have the right to see a doctor and if you get arrested you have a right to know why you are arrested but they can they can detain you indefinitely without like ever bringing you in front of a judge is it's very controversial like it sounds mm. a bit shady yeah like your entire life is just put on hold indefinitely yeah don't know when you're ever gonna come out if ever yeah so this is all according to what I read on the NLB website thank you Terence Fu from NLB Singapore libraries are like really like one of the best resources in Singapore and like the other day me and Margaret we were in like National B. Yeah, yeah there's, the there's so many good things. I borrowed a book on casseroles, but like not related. <laughs> okay, so yes. Mas Lamat 
is arrested and he's held at ISD's Whitley Road Detention Center. Now, even now remember, even though you're arrested under ISA, and in this case, he sounds like a terrible person who wants to kill a lot of other people, mm-hmm. you still get to visit your family. Oh, good. At least like, you know, the kids get to see you and you get to see them grow up. Yeah, yeah, no, and they're really good about it. When you visit your family, you get to wear like your normal clothes and stuff so that your, your Don't kids... Don't scare your kids. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that like interesting? Yeah, so now he's probably been in prison for about two years at this point, right? And it's 27th February 2008. And it's a Wednesday. Hump day. Yeah, so he was being led to a room to visit his family. And then he, he's like, hey, can I go to the bathroom? Okay, so in the bathroom, he turns on the water and then he hangs his pants over the cubicle. So it just looks like he's like changing or maybe he's like one of those people who takes off their pants to shit. Yeah, in case it drops. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's like it's it's not too weird, lah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's trying to like look normal and stuff. Yeah, and I think after two years, and because like nobody's actually escaped in a while, right? I didn't him complacent. Yeah, 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 complacent. (laughs) Then um, they didn't check on him. The guards were like. They checked on him but only after a while. So he squeezes through the windows. So this is interesting. It's super surprising because you always imagine... Why he very fat lah? Then the window very small. <laughs> he very small, you know. He's like 158. Oh. Purposely, he stuff himself so he can escape. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's, he manages to squeeze through the windows. There's no bars. There's no like wire netting or what shit. So he just like gets out. And then like he shimmies his ass down a drain pipe. Then after that, he ran, 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 ran. Wow. Then he climbs over a fence. Boing. And he's out. Does a fence have a lot of barbed wire? I, I presume it does. I, I don't know, but he manages to climb it and he's out. And apparently, there's supposed to be like people like walking around the prison, right? You always see like all the guards walking around. But, doing their rounds. But I guess at that time, he like timed it so that like... I have a suspicion that maybe Singapore had outsourced too much to the cameras. Then maybe nobody actually walks. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Like I mean, they're not gonna release. Like oh, this is how. Yeah, our... yeah. They weren't gonna reveal how they actually check whether you yeah. can escape. Okay, and guess what? He's been planning this for like, like a whole month. He planned this for one month. Wow. So, before that, he like actually stashed butter for food. So I don't know where he would stash butter. Like up his. <laughs> oh dear. But it's actually quite smart lah Because butter is very small to carry around It's very calorie dense Yeah And he He somehow managed to Sneak extra clothes from his wife and stuff apparently Yeah from They like, get to pass him stuff? I don't know lah Yeah I thought we pass yeah. him like Pass him drugs Pass him like knife or what I don't know I don't know They're like allowed to have some personal items You know like books and stuff But like oh. the prison will check So I guess if you get past extra clothes I think clothes like, still okay lah Yeah like, yeah, yeah. They really make sure that there's nothing in the clothes Yeah like I will personally be like Oh you want an extra jacket ah? Okay lah Can ah Like prison very cool ah. Okay Yeah sure. yeah You know what I mean It's not unreasonable So I guess it wasn't too sus Oh so he, he used the, uh, He used the extra clothes to like, like Change be, yeah, yeah. Out of his prison stuff yeah. Okay. Okay. So now there's actually two versions of what happens after he ex- escapes out of the Whitley Road detention center. Okay. So one is by Maslama, and the other one is by um a account by like what the people investigating this piece together. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. So this version one. Okay. I'm gonna say the Maslama version. So in version one, he run, 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 run. then he hides under an overhead bridge along the PIE. That's not hard to hide under. <laughs> <laughs> so he hides there for five days. Okay. What? Yeah. And then after that, he sneaks into a monsoon drain. 
Then he sneaks by the monsoon drain. And I think he got a quite a few homeless people living in those kind of things, right? Are there really? Or like, I mean that's the number one place for illegal immigrants to go <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that <laughs> Yeah, like under the bridge, then um, in the, the train I mean there, there was a newspaper article I remember like in the What's that, Bukit Timah Nature Reserve Then got this very big storm drain and then got like uh, people living there Then they had to go and chase them away Okay guys, we, we all learning something new today <laughs> <laughs> I saw that in some mothership uh, video Yeah Yeah Thanks Mothership, also. <laughs> okay, so after that he sneaks by a monsoon drain towards Woodlands. So from PIA to Woodlands is actually quite far. Yeah, but he sneaks there. And then eventually he like ties a bunch of empty mineral bottles together. And he, he swims across from Singapore to Johor at, at night on 2nd March 2008. Alright, so this is his version. Masla might say this is what happened. Oh, uh, I have a uh, uncle that used to work in the navy. Then he is in charge of the sentry lights at the Singapore borders. And yeah. he always sees like people, you know, from Malaysia coming into Singapore, and then they will shine a light on it, and then their <laughs> own guys will kind do something to them. I don't know. <laughs> like, but the, going like the out, Malaysian people. Yeah, they don't really. They, their borders are so big. It's so easy. It's a bit hard to keep track, also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now this is version two. All right. This is what like people said like happen after breaking out of Whitley Road Detention Centre he sneaks to his brother's home in Tampanese oh yeah so I think this is the one that I think a lot of Singaporeans remember alright so it was his niece his niece was the person who like helped him the most and then his um, niece's mom, his brother's wife was like oh no why are you harboring a, a fugitive in the house yeah so but eventually they, they gave him food oh yeah and I think originally they said that the brother didn't even know yeah. Oh, oh. I, I think it makes sense why like uh the police will say this and Maslam will say another story to yeah. defend the br- brother from to protect the yeah, family, right? Yeah. Right. I, w- I wouldn't I would also be like, No damn I didn't even see them. Who yeah. they and it made me it makes him seem more cool to be like yeah. surviving the storm drain alone. I did it alone. Yeah, but they say that they gave him food, water and they helped him change out of his prison clothes. And on first March they they made him up, they gave him like makeup and stuff and they put a tudong to his head. <laughs> yeah, so they made him a matching. And then they gave him clothes, water, a bag, 100 ringgit, and 100 sing, and some TCM. <laughs> Why? Yeah. The so, <laughs> giving him aching, aching like feel. Yeah, so this other version, right, it was revealed in Parliament by the Minister of Home Affairs at the time, Shan Mugan. And the family, they were all jailed for harboring a prisoner of state, lah. So the niece yeah. was jailed a year and a half, 18 months. The sister-in-law was jailed three months because remember she was like, oh no. Mm. So actually she, she actually tried to, you know, I don't know. I think, I think she was just not as like, oh, let me help you. Uh. And the brother got 12 months, one year. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you're right. It makes, it makes complete sense that Matsalamat's version excludes his family. Like you yeah, want to protect. protect. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Matsalamat is a damn dangerous man and the government was like super not happy first he escaped from isd detention center which is supposed to be super secure because it's isd detention center and then number two they cannot find him and then it's also a bit debated but some people felt like this was mishandled because he's a dangerous man but they only released that he would escape four hours later imagine like if he escaped specifically to engage in a terror plot or something. Oh, that four hours was enough to maybe do that truck thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. 
and but remember there were so many articles it was like the great Singapore escape and like the very famous meme toilet break <laughs> yeah it was on like NIGAC or something ASCAC I don't know at that point of time right after they announced that he escaped they stepped up security in a lot of places around schools around shopping malls I think there was a, like a temporary lockdown at the Singapore-Malaysia border or so oh, and I think they want to prevent like a terrorist attack is it? Like, no I think they were trying case. to prevent him from leaving Singapore yeah, oh, so I they. Mean, I'm thinking about more about the shopping centers oh, and the schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were scared that he was going to attack like all these like yeah. major points with a lot of people, and they also requested for Interpol, so like the international police organization, to put up a security alert. So originally it was an orange notice, and then it became a red notice. Yeah. At this point of time, right? They put up so many posters of him, so many. What's I don't know if you remember. It was like in shopping centers. Bus, train, school. They also had people giving out leaflets. And on 1st March, which is like, I guess, the day before he crossed the border, they sent out a bunch of MMSs to 5.5 million mobile subscribers and emails to Singnet users. Wow, just to tell them about <coughs> Maslama. Yeah. Man. And for context, right, Singapore today has like 5.8 million-ish people. So I'm guessing that's like, like as many Singaporeans, including the people with two phones, yeah. and then plus like all the foreigners who are visiting at the time, and they're like, "BTW, look out for this guy." Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so a bunch of private citizens, right? Because you know Singapore has like a lot of millionaires. They put up one million dollars as a reward for information leading to his arrest. So like, it's a lot of money, lah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So and alongside his picture, there was this message that says. Please call 999 immediately if you see Masalamat bin Kastari. He shot 1.58 cm. Oh, that's my height. Personal attack, huh? You're <laughs> <laughs> the government thing shot. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. And he limps on his left leg. Thank you. They, mm. they added the thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, while Singapore was in a panic, what was Masalamat doing? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah, so he floats over to Malaysia on the night of 2nd March 2008. He lands at Laut, which I'm trying my best it's to pronounce. Johor, I don't know. Yeah, it's Johor, but it's um, a place called Sulang Laut. And he lands around 5.30am on 3rd March 2008. Alright, then he walks 10km to Pelangi Plaza, which I think... I saw the pictures you've probably seen before if you've ever visited JB, so it wasn't like... And then he takes a bus to the house of one of his associates, and then he stays there for a bit before going to another JI terrorist guy's house, okay? Now he stays at this other place for like almost a full year, so like for almost a year he's just across the border, he's just in JB. Yeah. At the time he was doing what terrorists did, which was plotting because <laughs> what, what else do terrorists do and then he planned to kidnap like a bunch of Singaporean Chinese people in JB and on any given day there's going to be a lot of Singaporean Chinese people like very easy eh? yeah they're just going <laughs> to be there doing their hair doing their nails get massage visit family but why Singaporean from, Chinese yeah. why not Malaysian Chinese no so he wanted to kidnap the Singaporean Chinese people right and hold them hostage and then um, Singapore gives the money ah Ask Singapore to give the GI people that they captured. Oh. Yeah. Can that make sense? Alright, so I don't know if it was this plan Is or... that a fundraising activity? Will you call that a fundraising activity? 
Wow, actually it's like like you know like yeah, fundraising activity like like car wash like that but kidnapping. Maybe got two type of activities they arrange like one is kill a lot of people, one is just fundraising. Oh no no, you also forgot got recruitment. Oh yeah, recruitment, yeah. Yeah. Alright, so we don't know if it was this plan or another, but Maslow and Matt had started like planning something like which tipped off the police, the Malaysian police. Um but of course like Everybody was sharing information about him. Like, it wasn't like each country was in a silo of their own. Mm. Alright, so eventually, they arrest him on April Fool's Day. 1st April 2009, almost a year later, in this place called Kampung Tawakal. And it's a small village with less than 100 people, about 25km northwest of JB. So... He really he just run further away. <laughs> he really was never that far away, you know? Exactly. And then why didn't they think of like finding his associates also? Maybe they didn't know they were his associates. Yeah, maybe they didn't know. Like, you know, they keep all this like on the down low. Mm. Yeah. So for his arrest, 40 people, 40 people went for his arrest. Um, from the Royal Malaysian Police, they went to arrest him. And the villagers, right, in that small village, it wasn't like it was like a little GI village. They all like didn't know who he was. Oh, really like kampong people? Yeah, ah. they really like... I, I mean, we don't know if they were like really kampong people, but we know that they had no idea who he was. They were like all like shook. They were like, he was a terrorist? Like never read newspaper. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was just not as publicised in Malaysia as it was in Singapore lah. Ah, true, true. Yeah. And then... But wasn't he doing like a certain activity when he was arrested? Was he like flipping burgers? That's what I heard. No, I, I, I don't know. What was it? Yeah, he's selling Ramli burger. Really? Yeah. I think they caught him at a Pasar Malam selling Ramli burger. Oh, if okay. I'm not wrong, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I didn't read anything about his capture. I couldn't find anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's... You want can do a quick Google about yeah, Ramli burger? Yeah, let's do a quick... Really, a Ramli burger? Yeah. Oh, why are they any good? <laughs> well, maybe he makes a mean Ramli burger that everyone remembers his burgers, but not him. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a quick Google, and yeah, according to some on a... What's the forum name? Um, VR Zone. <laughs> according to some on VR Zone, Maslamat was selling Ramli burgers when they were caught, when he was caught, but like, yeah. no confirmation on that. You know how, like, Chinese newspapers like to find out every little <laughs> bit interesting, gritty stuff about the, the article? Case, yeah. yeah, so they they actually found out that he was uh, selling Ramli burgers in the night and hiding during the day. Maybe because it was more dimly lit at night, I don't know. Yeah, in between plotting to kidnap Singaporean Chinese and JB to exchange for... Ramli burgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eventually... He was passed back to Singapore on 24th September 2009 and that's where he is still now, like under indefinite detention under DISA and I would assume that they are like 10,000 times more strict with him now. Yeah, actually like since he was caught in the toilet, right? Ever s- I-, I heard from my uh, police friends that ever since then they... They had to get the guy to come to the toilet and watch you pee-pee, poo-poo. And they actually handcuff you while you do your business. Yeah, so you cannot run away like Maslama again. I mean, like, I guess you could... They probably, like, just put bars on the toilets also, right? Like, just like... Hey, but we, even despite this, right? Got this case of this guy. He still managed to run away with all these security stuff in the hospital. Wait, yeah. what was this? Recently only. Oh, okay. 
Eh, not recently. Uh, like maybe a few years ago only lah. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase. And as always, thank you so much for being on the show, Margaret. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Margaret, do you think that his kids would actually take after him? His kids are maybe... Uh, depending on which version of the story they, they hear or whether they support his cause, I guess. Yeah, to each their own. Alright, but in 2013, remember his eldest son? His eldest son was sent to a religious boarding school in Indonesia. He didn't get... He, he was raised there. In 2013, his, his eldest son, Masihadi, was arrested at his own wedding. He was arrested at his own wedding what? in Indonesia. What, <laughs> yeah. Gate crashing by the police. <laughs> yeah, gate crashing by the police. And he was deported to Singapore. So he spent 10 years studying and teaching in J.I. linked religious boarding schools. Oh, so shit. he studied there and then he became a teacher there. Yeah. And the school that he was enrolled in was at the recommendation at, of one of the J.I. leaders. Oh, so I mean like, I guess Maslama put him there for a reason. He, yeah. He wanted him to continue his legacy. Like to be like indoctrinated, but he was living under a fake name lah. Yeah. What lah? They were saying that the wedding was so unlike their normal traditional Javanese yeah, culture yeah, wedding. That. Then uh, there was only a Quran recital and preaching, no dancers or no displays. The bride was on stage with several other women, all clad in burqas. Cannot tell which one was the bride. <laughs> You're bad. Anyway, so there was actually no information that he was involved in any attacks, but he was being investigated for, like, possible involvement, you know, ISA. But I think given that they're quite comprehensive with their investigation and tracking, they probably have a valid reason lah. Mm, I think they're just trying to, like, nip as much as the GI people as possible, so... Maybe, maybe. Yeah, especially since he, like, grew up in the environment as well. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so... Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Brief Case, Mas Salamat's Escape. If you liked this episode, drop me a comment or message and you can find us on Instagram at A Brief Case Podcast and online at abriefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another brief case. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.